everybody. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode. We have a guest. It is our friend, Randy. are so excited uh, because today we have on one of our very, very special um, and incredible close friends with us here today. And to give you all a preview and for those who are looking into getting into civic action, getting into uh, just digital media and, you know, social campaigning to in, to make an incredible impact for the world. And project management and pretty much every single other thing that you can possibly think of. But uh, if you are interested on on getting started and, and you don't know where to start, this is the podcast episode for you. Um, but without further ado, we wanted to introduce Randy Garcia to our podcast. Woo! Randy, Randy. Okay. Um, Randy, welcome to Persistent in Color. Uh, we would love, and the world would love, to just get to know you. Um, and uh, what you know, where where you've been? You know, walk us through. You know, your resume, why you're so awesome. Um, and and then we'll we'll get started with the episode after that. Okay. Um, hi. Glad to be here. Um, as always, big fan of anything Devin and do. Um, kind of obsessively, and they know it. Uh, I guess where I've been at home for the past year and a couple months, because there's a national pandemic, and it's not like we can go anywhere. Um, but we will soon. soon. We there's will hope. Uh, I guess I don't know where to go off next from this. Okay, um, so why don't we start with our usual fun little warm-up game, our WTF and our WWP, and then, um, ooh, I don't know if you could hear that loudly, um, and then from there, Renny, you can tell us a little bit about, like, what your past experiences have been, kind of, like, what are the main things that have shaped you, how have you ended up where you are in your professional career right now, um, and we'll kind of go off there and, and let the conversation flow, you know? But yeah, to start things off, uh, Randy, we usually share our WTF moments for the week. Uh, things that bring us to say, like, what the fuck? Um, and then we also share our why we persist moments to kind of show that, you know, despite our hurdles for the week, we have something to look forward to. Um, Yara, do you want to kick things off? Okay, sure. Um, so my WTF this week is actually something that I just found out about this morning. <laughs> Any of my listeners from Philly that are uh, familiar with Central High School of Philadelphia, where I graduated from, um, may have heard the name Dr. Pavel. He was the president of our high school for 28 and a half years. And uh, he passed this morning, which is a weird feeling. Um, I feel like we all have that person or that figure in our lives and our past that like kind of just was always there and was like always old. So you're like, oh, they'll just be old, but forever and live forever because they don't age. They were just popped out of the womb at like 70, 72. Um, and that's obviously not the case. Um, and to be honest, I'm still kind of processing a little bit. Um, he was very personal with all the students. And so while I haven't talked to him for a while, it's like kind of that knowledge of A, how much he's impacted me and then like so literally like 30 years worth of students, you know what I mean? Um, but with that kind of leads me into my WWP, which was 
thinking of in reflecting on that impact it was just kind of reflecting on how much our you know education professionals and and the ones that really take it seriously and really like care about each student not just about getting through the curriculum like how much they mean to our society, how much they shape it, how much, how many like lives they've saved and changed and brightened. Um, and just really being thankful, A, that they exist and B, like to know that I've come across so many of them and gotten to be shaped by so many of those kind of, um, those kind of, of education figures, so. That's my two. It's amazing how we, how one person can impact so many others. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how everyone found out because it was literally this morning and I went on Twitter and like people were talking about it. And I was like, how did, who found out? How did we get here? Like, there is no news on this. There are no articles. People just know. Um, but I guess that just goes to show what, what a big, big figure he was. Mm. Anyway, does anyone else want to go with something a little less sappy? I can share my, I can, yes, I'll go, I'll go. Uh, save the best for the last, Randy. Um, my WTF for the mo for the week uh, is probably, and uh, I think it'll still be around that time when you know our viewers are listening to, but everyone is right up the alley of tax season, Ooh. and I'm in the middle of doing my taxes, which is always, again, the one of the least favorite seasons for me, and I think so many others. Um, but I realized that I might be owing taxes for getting unemployment, which is the most ironic thing I've ever encountered. And of course, I mean, this year, this past year was the first time I receive unemployment benefits. This is the first year that I'm gonna be, you know, including unemployment benefits in my taxes. And I will probably be count looking for counsel from a tax professional because right now I'm just on TurboTax doing my own thing. But it's, you know, I, I plugged in my, forms and it looks like yeah that I am going to end up having to owe taxes even though I received unemployment this year because of my, of of those benefits and what I learned is that un getting unemployment benefits is considered income and so you're still obligated to pay taxes on those even though I, I opted to get taxed on the benefits when I was getting paid out so that's, yeah, that's, this, it's, it's the irony. Um, but I suppose why I persist is because I know that our economy is not in great shape. I know that we have, this country has so much to work on, but, you know, I think the one whole reason why we elected the person that we did this past year is to know that there's hope that we trust in people and trust in leadership to be able to start really asking these questions and, and changing things for us and, and our economy and our world and our education system, our judicial system, criminal, just everything, everything. All the systems. Everything. And so, you know what? That's the only thing that we can do is, is hope for the better. Plus, I'm, I'm very, you know, blessed enough to no longer be in, in a position that, you know, that I do have to receive unemployment. So, you know, I, I consider myself very lucky, but, you know, I am speaking for those who are currently unemployed still, for those who are still looking for a job. It's just very ironic that, you know, you have a pandemic and no jobs to be worrying about, and yet, at the end of the day, you're still looked as, to the IRS, as somebody to, um, squeeze money out of so that's that it it's not just me 
unemployment is paid through the taxes that you paid when you were employed, right? Which make this a little bit more ironic. Yeah. So, you know, we pay yeah, we pay as taxpayers, we pay towards the pool that pays for unemployment. But so now you have to take people. from the to take from the pool you have to put into the pool again. Uh, yes. I guess I guess so. Which is um ironic. Okay. It doesn't make sense because you're literally paying it like four times over. Because you pay taxes for unemployment, taxes yeah. for the regular job, taxes because now that you're filing for taxes, you have to pay for that. Yep. And then, oh my God, my brain hurts. <sighs> well, Randy, what is your uh, WTF moment for the week, and why, and why do you persist today? I guess my WTF, there are a lot of things that make us angry, um, but then there are a lot of things that bring happiness. The thing that makes me angry is like whenever I see my family suffering. Um, I think at a very young age, I got very lucky. No one from that I grew up with is living the way that I am and that's a privilege or can afford or have had the experiences I've had. And that's also a privilege. Like, so like my, WTF is just seeing my family um, in their way struggling with how they live and the stuff that they have to do and feeling like I'm working so hard and I've been working so hard for so many years and it's not enough. Um, my mom had a mental breakdown with me on the phone the other day and like it was really hard because like I want to do so much but so long as like I'm here it won't be enough and then that's also my reason for persisting like I'm working harder because if I do, the reward is going to be finance to help them out, um, the ability to send her back home somewhere where she'll be happy. Um, and then just like, I, I just hope like before anything happens to them, that they can at least have a taste of what the American dream is. Uh, I have my own taste of it and that's great, but like they don't and your mental health just gets so much better when you're living in a better condition in a better neighborhood with better resources. And that's about it. Yeah. 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 I don't feel like there's enough conversation had around the not just like the stress of of you know not having just like the basic resources that you need, but then how that translates over into you know the mental health, which then people like to blame people with mental health issues for not doing enough which then is continuing the cycle of them be like it just no one likes no one talks about the cycle of scapegoating at the end of the day um so i'm sorry to hear your mom's like having a a rough rough go and it's ridiculous but i guess if we talked about it then people would feel bad about it and they'd be like oh my god we're monsters and no one wants to feel that way so they just pretend it's not happening well, thank you so much for that like vulnerability and really sharing with us, Randy. Um, I guess diving into our topic for this week, which is you. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you want to start by just kind of telling us a little bit about, you know, your background and how you got into all of the different fields and industries that you are currently in? It astounds me how you manage it all. Um, and yeah, just give a, give our listeners a little bit of background on like who you are. Well, I guess every story starts off with, I'm not American. I came to this country. Um, I was taught that things work a certain way here. And then I started from a very young age working very hard to obtain whatever goal I had. Um, I was very, uh, there are parts of like, um, I grew up in the South Bronx, which is like where most Dominican immigrants go to when you come to New York City. You go to the South Bronx because that's where everyone is. That's where you can get like 12 platanos for a dollar and where everything a part of your culture is there. Um, I was lucky and unlucky to grow up, to have grown up in that neighborhood um, because it led me to a lot of the paths that I got into. It's near the courthouse. So like I got to learn from lawyers at a young age because I was always bothering any lawyer that I met about how, what you do to be a lawyer. Um, then I realized that like 
oh, I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. I want to be a doctor. So there is a local um, doctor's office there uh, uh, ran by a man named Asbernas. He's like also an immigrant who came from Haiti and worked really hard to have his own practice. And I shadowed him for a while. And then that's how I learned how to like do crazy things in the medical industry. And then I realized, man, I don't want to be a doctor. Um, and it just kept going and going. I started working at the age of 13. And whenever I couldn't find work, I would just shadow someone who was doing something that I wanted to learn. And it just kept growing until I started meeting people in industries that didn't even know existed, like the technical world. Like uh, when you grow up in the South Bronx, everything people teach you in school is that the most successful thing you can be is a doctor or a lawyer or like the principal of a school. No one ever sits you down and goes like, there's a career called software engineering. There's chief marketing officer or there's like chief finance officer because like in the Bronx, a finance career is like doing people's taxes. It's not really running the, the operations for a whole organization. Um, I guess I really have to thank like Z often Jones about a, for a lot of that stuff. That's how I learned about like internships like do something.org and crisis text line. Like I didn't know these worlds existed and through sheer luck and like the privilege that came from that, I learned about them and now I'm here. Wow. So many parts, even from such a, such a young wee age. So you said, and that's how you, you know, that's how you ended up here. Um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about where slash what here is? Um, well, I guess I have multiple jobs, um, because you can't just do one type of work, especially in the midst of everything that's going on now. Um, it's best to keep your mind busy so that you don't sit down and go like, wow, a year just passed and I've been at home the whole time. Um, uh, right now I work at, on the communication side of a Catholic nonprofit. I'm also kind of sort of operating a nonprofit. Uh, me and a couple of kids launched like last year. Uh, it's in the back burner. It's like about youth voting and getting the youth vote out and engaging people on that end. Um, aside from that, I'm also doing like some agricultural stuff uh, in the Dominican Republic where I'm in the process of like building a farm to try and stop some of the um, food scarcity that's going on on the island that the government doesn't really like to talk about there. You're, I swear, you're the only person in their mid-20s I know that is like, running so many businesses and like getting into agriculture wild you are I've, I've said it once I'll say it a million times you are so impressive um uh, I don't feel like it we need bunnies in this house <laughs> we have a lot of responsibilities yeah but like I feel like it's important to take take the time to celebrate you know celebrate the wins <laughs> You know what? I was about to start. I was about to ask the first question that we'd send over, but I would love to hear how you celebrate your wins. Like how in the midst of there's always more to do, do you take a second to like be like, okay, hold on, like I'm killing it. Oh. Um, first it's kind of like you don't realize how much you're doing until you sit down and like you start telling people about it and then you're just like, oh wow. Uh so one of the ways I celebrate my wins is I do things that make me happy. Like, um, we went out for pizza the other day and I was just like, you, you know what'll make me happy that I wouldn't be able to get? Like, if I were like at my mom's house because your parent would just go like, what, why are you doing that? What, why are you going out and buying these things? I bought myself an ice cream cake. Um, because like, it's fun to reward yourself and everyone loves ice cream cake. Uh, I go to the toy store and I buy myself something that I've always been curious about, like a Nerf gun. Because um, like, you were just, not, you couldn't have for Nerf guns as a kid. Like, these were just not things that my parents would, like, let us have. Or, we're, like, buying a vacuum cleaner. I love vacuum cleaners. I know that it sounds weird, but, like, I tried to explain to my parents what a vacuum cleaner once was as a kid, and then they just didn't get it. They were just like, there's a broom. And I was just like, no, the vacuum, it's, it's an American invention. It, it works. So, like, you know, like, stuff like that. Like, doing the things that you were not allowed to do as a kid that would make you happy, even if you look ridiculous doing it, I appreciate so much that you aren't like, okay, what is the right way to, like, what's the mature way to celebrate? Like, if you want a Nerf gun, go get a Nerf gun because you earn the money to buy the Nerf gun. Who cares, like, 
what anyone else thinks like I love that so much and like kind of just like breaking down these weird conceptions that you in order to be mature or in order to be an adult you have to always always be pushing forward and doing the mature thing and like like no you can still have fun and still be like a successful member of society um so thank you thank you randy also if there's any more of that cake left let me know so (laughs) there's always cake there's always cake now there's a national pandemic you go to the gym but then you also do things that make you happy but then you also get the cake oh yeah i ordered myself last night a pizza and a milkshake which is what i really originally wanted and then i was like they got cannolis so i got myself cannolis too and damn sure i ate them all last night I felt quite good. <laughs> anyway, now getting into the questions that like we we prepared for, we all came ready to dig into our souls for. Um, so as we've covered, you are touching a lot of different areas and industries and just like, wow, it's insane. Um, what is your advice for anyone that's looking to like follow into your follow in your footsteps that wants to you know develop just like such a wide breadth of skills and experience I guess don't be afraid to drive things out or break a barrier um my culture um most people would get mad for me saying this but it's it's kind of like out there it's a very misogynist culture um like I grew up with the notion that like I'm supposed to do these things to serve a husband versus serve myself. Um, I was lucky to have a mom that like was just like, no, you do things to serve yourself, not anyone else, yourself first. Um, and it's like whether you're a woman or like just finding yourself out or you're non-binary and the world is just wild, break that barrier. Like do the things that people say you can't. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why like I've been able to do the things that I've always wanted to do because I see a barrier, I see an obstacle, someone says no, and I'm just like, I think other, and then I jump. Um, Most people go like, well, that's not how society works, or that's not how the world works, but you don't end up being very happy when you follow things by the rule, especially in a place like America, where like, there are so many social rules to how you're supposed to do things, and and that some of them are kind of ridiculous. If you don't know this off the top of your head, no problem, but what is, what's your like, favorite ridiculous rule of society like that unspoken rule where you're like why do we do this who said this oh god um probably one that are what was it butter (laughs) peanut butter let's not talk about american peanut butter okay it took me years Um, the ridiculous one for me is just i'm gonna give you two um go ahead let's start off with the ridiculous one one was like just like the American rules are like what foods to eat at what time of day. <laughs> that, that like, like, okay, like Deb knows how I feel about peanut butter and how I feel about things like apple pie because these are things that like I did not grow up with. I did not know peanut butter existed or that cereal was a thing until I came to this country and no one ever believed me. And I'm just like, no, I grew up like in a very rural, like wooden huts kind of place. Um, and like, wh- why was it in sandwiches? why does it taste so nutty and overwhelming like why like what is this why do you have to have cereal and milk i used to have cereal with maple syrup or honey (laughs) as a kid because i did not like i didn't understand cereal with milk and because there my parents didn't understand it either so we could just get away with things like that um but like it's just like peanut butter it's everywhere it's 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 a it's a huge industry in this country yeah and it's so famous and like everyone eats it at all times of the day. I've gotten better with my like weirdness about peanut butter. I, I like peanut butter milkshakes. Mm. Um, I won't eat peanut butter sandwiches still. Uh, but milkshakes are delicious. Peanut based noodles and like when you put it in curries, it's delicious. We're taking um, shots. We're taking shots. Breaking down those walls within myself about like these things. But yeah, like why what waffles for breakfast but you can't have rice for breakfast in this country like people look at you like you're crazy it's it's like one of those weird rules america really has like a weird like you eat these foods at this time of day rule and it's so weird 
I never thought about it that deeply, but you're really right. I've not started, but sometimes I have brown rice with like an orange or a grapefruit or something like they're like blueberries in it um, for breakfast. And I have been judged very deeply for that. But it said on the back of the package, try this. And I was like, okay. And everyone's like, you what? I was like, I don't know. The package told me to do it. And I kind of like it. It's a little sweet, a little savory. Get off my back. Delicious. Yeah, people go like rice for breakfast. And they're just like, yeah. Don't you like have a soup for breakfast sometimes? Like a stew? It's like, you know, it's cold outside. It's like for breakfast. It's like, what? It's so weird. Um, my next rule is like the, you'd like the way that like, th this is really weird here as a kid it was never a rule where I grew up, but like when adults are speaking and like, you're a kid, you can't talk to those adults or like, there's a way that you have to approach the adults or you're seen as like rude and uncultured or untaught. So it's like from a young age, children in this country are taught that like, there's a separation between like, it's kind of like you put your classist ideologies into your children before like they even get to like the spaces like where where these ideologies need to be broken down for them to succeed like college like whenever you speak to an adult that's higher than you like it's a sign of respect to say miss or mister but then like when you get to college those rules don't apply anymore you look like a child if you come up to your professor and say mister instead of like just being like hey yo jake um which is like a thing or like um if you're a kid and you have a problem or like you're going through some mental health issues like, and like, there's adults in the room and like, you want to go like, Hey mom, I'm not feeling well. Can like, we just pull to the side. That's just not allowed. Like just the way that like, from a young age, you're taught that you can't speak to certain people or do things in certain ways because like people see you as wrong. It's, it's weird. Yeah. You just threw me into like a flashback that I didn't even realize I had of that like so many times just kind of standing on the outskirts of an adult conversation because I needed one of them and being like I don't know how to interrupt this I'll just wait until they notice me and think it's weird enough that I'm just standing here it's weird to have to ask for permission to in a ways be yourself or communicate which is something that in a lot of cultures isn't a thing like in America you have to ask for so much permission for simple things so there are limiting parts of things but like as you grow older you're expected not to ask for permission um and then you have to break down those walls I understand why kids have mental breakdowns in college you know like it's hard getting over that yeah I yeah do you feel like this society as a whole and then we can get back on topic of things that are related to professional activities and not childhood traumas um, but I feel like a lot of times people just kind of treat their children as if they are helpless up until the age of 16 to 18. Like they give them everything. They tell them not to say too much. They, anytime they're crying or they're upset, they just give them what they want, or they just tell them to shut up and sit down, either of which does not established coping skills and then they get into the real world and like don't know how to be empathetic don't know don't have emotional intelligence don't know how to communicate calmly and effectively like all these different things and people are like what how did we get here you find that to be true yeah I do find that to be very true um and it's not only like just with that it's also like with like simple like life skills like I grew up with a lot of kids who didn't know how to do their laundry like in their teens um because like their parents just did all this stuff for them they didn't know how to cook because their parents just did all this stuff for them and then like when it came down to like being assertive to make sure that like you can get like basic life skills done like Deb you mentioned doing your taxes like doing your taxes is hard and it's it's so damn stressful and it's expensive to get someone to do it for you so like like asking questions like on a tax form to an adult that's nerve-wracking like when you grow up when you grow up in a culture where like you have to ask for permission from like x y and z and then you get judged when you don't know something that's supposed to be common knowledge um it's it's weird but i guess that's what makes being in this country fun because you can just do the opposite true that's that's a tactic you can just do the opposite 
I was going to say, I'm right there with you, Randy. Um, Randy, speaking of um, what you just shared, I think that what amazes me about you is that, you know, no matter what company you're working for, you know, whether it's it's a, a certain nonprofit that's been established for years and years or a new nonprofit or hopping on a political campaign and running your social media, you have always kind of expressed that as an immigrant, as a person of color and as a woman, it's this unspoken rule and, and all three of us know is that you're going to have to work twice as hard, sometimes three times as hard. And so how have you navigated taking on your various roles with the fact that we are all, you know, some of us in this world just have to work three times harder to achieve what we can. And how do you, you know, prevent yourself from being, you know, discouraged and take that hardship and take those hardships that you've had in your life to use them as fuel to, you know, not not even excel, just not even excel more, but like full on take full ownership of the roles that you um, have kind of conquered. I guess the anxiety that you feel when you're in the process of moving in a certain direction is hard. And sometimes it causes you to push back and stop and wonder if you're doing the right thing. Um, but then when you change the question is to, is this the right thing for me? Like, how am I going to look at myself tomorrow if I go on and I don't do anything about the things that make me feel the way they make me feel? Um, and I think that always gives you enough courage and bravery to like jump into the next realm. Like, I find myself having this conversation with myself a lot. Like sometimes you just sit there and you're just like, I'm so tired. I feel like I'm not doing enough or like I'm not good enough or um, like, you know, like, like, like I work a hundred times as hard as anyone else. I'm the one giving the plans and like the strategy. And like, I have the, like, I literally bring a portfolio for you and you don't recognize this and you just have to stop and go, all right, what strategy do we take next? Um, I've done the work. I've showcased my abilities. It doesn't seem like it's getting to the place where like I'd hope to get. You have to do what my mom says. Pone todos los platos sobre la mesa. Put all the plates on the table. Like show all your cards and just go like, where do we go from here? Like what's going on here? Um, as a person of color, as like when you're non-white, <laughs> that's I think that's the best way to say it. When you are non-white, uh, it's like three. You're either not white, you're queer or gay or trans, like you're something that society puts in this niche box and likes to use you as um, an amulet or a trinket on a bracelet, you have to sometimes come to the environment and say, hey, this is what you're doing and this is what's happening. And when they try and gaslight you, just go like, no, 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 we're not, we're not, no, we're not doing that, no gaslighting. A lot of people don't know how to react to that. And then you go like, these are the next steps that I want to take. And if we can't work together here, this is what you're losing. Are you sure you want to lose, lose this? Plus the product, plus like everything else you're going to lose. Having to train on a new person to run what you're running. Um, so yeah, like showing all your cards. That's like the key strategy that's always seems to work or scare people. This is astounding to me because like, I, I consider myself a pretty confident person and I still have a lot of trouble like going to that extent of like telling people just like flat out to their face like you know I'm really valuable right like you know that you aren't going to be able to just like replace me right I, it just I, I still really struggle with it like how how did you build up that confidence and and even like know the right words in the right way to relay that message and like move yourself forward statistics and data um that's something else that's something that i really love about this country if you have statistics and data to back up your claim it's hard it's hard for people anyone like it doesn't matter how educated or uneducated you are or what people deem as uneducated um you will always be able to hit back with your data says this this is what this is where the productivity has gone with me being here. This is all that I do already. This is how I've established myself here. These are how many groups I've been touching in this organization or this place while I've been working here. 
And these are all the strategies that they're running that are very clearly the strategies that like they've been given to help run and to help optimize you. If I leave, this is all you lose and you will revert. Are you satisfied with reverting? The statistics and the data says this. Are you okay with any of this changing? Um, you really have to give people, a lot of the times it's giving people the power to think about that for themselves and to like be fully aware. Sometimes you get lucky and you have environments where like the person just realizes that you're valuable and like you don't have to like stress out and like follow like a three month plan or anything insane like that. But um, when you don't, these are the things that you have to do, especially when you're non-white because the truth is, is that when you are white, you have the privilege of consistently being recognized for things that aren't as intuitive as when people of color do them. Um, and this sounds harsh, but like the best example that I can give to that is like when working on diversity, diversity and inclusion projects, right? When someone who is white brings in these ideologies, they only bring them in half-baked. They don't have the cultural understanding or solutions or empathy because they've never had to deal with these things. When people of color come into spaces, when um, us as emerging majorities come into spaces and give these concepts and ideologies, and we show the company the full scale as to how us being in these environments and working the way that we do brings you to this scale, not only in your inclusion, but also in work ethic and just how much you can get done, like it changes things. Um, a lot of white folks don't really have to do that. It's, it's not something that they have to think about. I hope that wasn't too harsh. No, it wasn't too harsh. I'm just, no. I'm just, it oh, hit home. <laughs> Deb, I see you every time you come off mute. So I just silence until you say what you want to say. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, well, it's mostly because I usually, I, I find myself talking and I realize I'm on mute. So um, I, I just think that everything and you just shared is solid. And, you know, if, if the audience needs to, you know, get away with the two points or two most important points uh, out of Randy's, uh, you know, important message is that first, show all your cards and be confident in showing all your cards. And second, um, you know, be an expert in backing yourself up and knowing what your worth is in data and in numbers, because at the end of the day, that is the best case that you can make for yourself. Um, and you're right, like even if we have to try two times harder, we're, we're, you know, frankly showing just how much harder we do work in reality compared to our fight. Fight. Um, I actually, so in terms of like tracking what I do and making sure that I have the data back it up, I have kind of like, you know, the, the different methods that I try, but I would love to hear from, from both of you really how you find is is best and easiest to track your contributions and track that data that's really going to help you. Randy, I would uh, I invite you to uh, share your knowledge with us. Um, know how the company makes money and how that money transfers into other projects and systems, and how the company revolves that money around things. It's super easy to do it when it's a nonprofit because you can just uh, do a Freedom of Information Act or like the Freedom of Information Law, a FOIL, to get that data out there. It's also public information, so you can just Google it and you find all their tax documents. Um, so like if, uh, and then like the simple ways are just asking. Uh, there's an internship that I did for a company that, uh, where I learned that one of the projects that I was doing made a substantial amount of money. Um, I learned that because I was able to overhaul that program two months ahead, me being there literally technically save them money because they finished and completed the task of that program like months before it was supposed to be due. Like usually they, they had the final product out in June. It was February. Their final product was there. Um, and like I knew how much I was saving for them. So I knew the leverage that I had there. Um, so like stuff like that, comparing it to the finance, because like there's no finance, there's no romance in a lot of these companies. I'm gonna have to agree with Randy there. I think my advice is very similar in, in that at the end of the day, the impact that you're making to the business and 
you know, whether you work for a company that has um, regular, regularly scheduled performance reviews, or if you... Deborah. Deborah. No. Oh. Deb is frozen. While she unfreezes, I guess I'll share my tips. So I guess like mine are more on the like personal day-to-day level than the research and like that, that higher level, which is like super important. And I honestly need to get better at doing it. But for me, I often forget and I'm getting better at just like tracking my task, whether it be a to-do list or a like Trello board. Being able to like write down what you need to do and then reference it later and say, oh my God, like when you're getting ready for your reviews, Deb's back. Okay, Deb, Deb's back. back. I don't know what happened. My computer just died. It was still oh. like 20%. I don't know what happened. Um, Deb, do you want to finish? You want to finish? Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Um, where, what was it? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so I am in total agreement with Randy in that, you know, it's, it's ultimately the, you know, return of investment that you have and the impact that you have to your business. And so whether your company has regularly scheduled performance reviews or you're in constant talk with your manager and whether you're constantly worrying about, you know, if you are worthy and you want to, you know, ask for promotion, ask for a raise, Think of all the things that you are doing in terms of your day-to-day tasks, the projects that you're working on, and think about, okay, if I hadn't done this, then the company wouldn't have come to this. Or because I've done this, the company now has this. And so I think once you are able to tie in numbers and in um, metrics, just how you've had a direct impact on a company, there is no way when you go to your leaders, when you go to your managers, that they can say no to that because at the end of the day, numbers speak for itself. And that ties really well into the the tip or tactic that I use actually, or I want to share, because I am queen of like constantly moving, constantly doing stuff. And then review time comes around or someone asks what I do. And I'm like, uh, I type every day. Like just not being able to remember the exact things that I do, which as you just said, are like key to really showcasing your value. So I've started doing living by to-do list. I personally really like to use Trello um, just to keep myself organized. Um, it's a free, it has like free options if anyone wants to check it out. Um, but not only does it help keep me organized, but then I have when review season comes around, this list of all the tasks that I've completed and everything that I've been doing and thought was important enough to write down and need to remember. Um, and it's been super helpful in like almost creating like a, a, a diary of sorts, like a professional diary of sorts. Um, and I have this easily accessible way to recount all of the things that I've done and say, oh, that was important. That was huge. That was huge. And then I can extract those and do the, all of the research that you guys were talking about to really flush them out and, and build out, okay, what was the what was the impact that I had with, um, with all this? So that like, daily practice of like keeping records written records as you're going has been super helpful for me brandy you just gave a lot of really good advice you always do that like you've got this like really good concept of how things work and are really good at explaining it um and i think it comes with your kind of like the protector role that i've seen you take in, in a lot of different relationships in your life um, was wondering if you can kind of like talk to how you balance that protector role with accepting help and guidance and, you know, getting mentorship and stuff like that, um, which is something we talked on past episodes as being really important to success. 
sometimes the mile end gets difficult because um, you can't protect everything. And like, as you grow, that's something that like you learn. Uh, you can't protect everything, keep everything safe. Uh, some things perish, some things mess up, some things just won't be there anymore. Um, not everything stays sacred or holy or, um, how do you say, innocent? And that's okay because that's just the process of life. The process of life are for things to grow and beautify and to become like incredible flowers and then to degradate. Um, and then that degradation brings in new life. Um, so the way that I balance it is by first centering myself and asking, is this too far? Um, is this too much? Are we are we crossing boundaries here? Do people feel comfortable? Um, I always like to ask people like, hey, are you comfortable? Or like, I, uh, I like to do whatever makes everyone else feel comfortable. Because um, sometimes making people feel comfortable is a type of protection, um, keeping people safe. Um, and that's about the, the spaces of it. How do you make sure that you're comfortable, that like you're not sacrificing your comforts, your needs for the sake of protecting others? Oh, I look at myself in the mirror and then I go like this, or like, you know, I point at myself. <laughs> I just realize we're on, you know. <laughs> a podcast. I, you know, just look at what I'm doing, guys. No, okay. So like, I just point at myself and I'm just like, hey, like, where are you at? Like, you okay? Like, do you need a hug? Um, having a partner that that is very receptive of my emotions and feelings is, is like huge. Um, yeah. If it wasn't for them and like the way that they, they like notice my shifts and changes so easily, which is sometimes disturbing. Um, I feel like I would be a lot more stressed out and not around. Um, I'd probably be like on a nomad trip by myself trying to figure it, things out. But I'm lucky that like there's someone to also hug me and go like, hey, you don't seem like you're doing okay. You seem like you're putting a lot of weight on yourself. Like sit down, breathe, what do you have to do for you? And things are that lucky. And then when you don't have someone like that asking you a question too, and then making sure that like you is fine. Yeah, I think, I feel like a lot of people feel almost silly kind of actively asking themselves that because we've been taught so much that like you live in your head and so you know what's going on there automatically and like not the case. Um, so remembering that the things that you do to take care of other people are things that you can turn back and do for yourself. It's not silly to ask yourself, are you comfortable? It's not silly to take yourself out to dinner or tell yourself to sit down and like take a take a break for a second. Um, so I think that's really important to, to talk about and, and specify, I guess, is the word I want. Deb, what am I trying to say? Advocate, self-care. Yeah. Self-care. As a wrap-up, as a final question, um, Randy, what are you most excited about to, to be working on of, of all the of all the lovely projects that you're currently on? You know, what is something that you're looking forward to this year? One of the projects that I'm really excited about working on is one with this young man who is an immigrant from Mexico. He came in in the middle of the Trump administration. He decided to start a youth organization on voting. Um, his name is Santiago Mayer. He is such a smart kid, like young man, like he's now a young man, but like, you know, kid is an insult, it's a good word, but still like he's so brilliant in what he's doing. Um, his organization has, um, they, he's just opened up to having a whole bunch of people on his board. I can't talk about it yet because it's coming um, in a huge statement, but he's working on a dual project on the Equal Rights Amendment. Uh, to educate Generation Z about women's rights and opening that up to a larger conversation. He's partnering with DOEs nationwide. Um, like he just calls them up by himself um, because he sees that there's a necessity for this to, to do youth voter education, why voting is important so that you ne no one ever has to suffer through what we've suffered for the past four years. So that's like the project that I'm most excited about. I'm a part of um, his advisory board and it's just a really fun thing to do. Do you want to share the organization's name and can you tell our listeners what uh, DOE stands for? Uh, Department of Education, um, like NYC DOE. Um, that's just 
the public school network in New York. Sometimes they're great, sometimes they're not so great. Um, uh, and the organization name is Voters of Tomorrow. It's called BOT. I think their website is BOT.com, but I know that you can just Google Voters of Tomorrow and they'll pop up. Awesome. Easy peasy. Um, so my, my closing question is, do you have, like, what is the top one or two resources that you would suggest to our listeners that has really helped you um, find support that you need or resources that you need? Like, um, wh where can they look if they want to follow, follow your footsteps? Oh my God, Devin Niara, our resources. <laughs> Just listen to this podcast. Um, I promise I didn't put her up to, to that. All... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, that is such a hard question to say because like when you're poor and you can't afford therapy but then you get older and you can't um, books are resources music is a resource um, playing music is a resource because you can find like really cheap guitars if you look hard enough free basically it's all free um, so like finding an expert in the field for what you're passionate about that's a good resource because experts are willing to teach for free it's very hard to get people to give you money for causes and to do things. Very easy to get people to teach you for free. Even when they say they won't teach you, a lot of the times they'll give you a free book. That's how I learned about IO psychology. Like I got a free textbook from someone and it ended up saving me money a lot of times over in the future. Um, so just look for that expert. Go to their, if they don't answer their phone, go to their office, knock on their door. Um, you can't really do that now, but you know what I mean and you'll get them. Wow. The power of just, just asking. We forget about it, I think, while we're all trying to like follow the rules. Um, well, Randy, just thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being mine and I'm sure Deb agrees, friend. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. Just like, Thank you for being a, a bright light and pushing humanity forward one day at a time. Um, that's that's our episode. If there's anything that we touched on or like that Randy said that you have questions about, you want a little bit more elaboration, feel free to reach out to us and we are happy to get those answers for you. Um, Deb, where can they send their questions, their, their comments? Uh, reach out to us at persistingincolor at gmail.com and we'll be sure to relay your questions over to Randy and she'll be happy to provide her insight into your questions that you send in. In addition, you can also find us on Instagram at persisting underscore in underscore color. Um, and, uh, and then you can find us on the gram. Um, Overall, this was uh, just a fun and lovely episode only because at the end of the day, we're just grateful for friendship. We're grateful for togetherness. And we're grateful that we have people that we can have each other's backs for. Um, and so in that spirit, you can catch us next time. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.